Welcome to Heaping Spoonful, a twice-monthly conversation with restaurateurs, chefs, growers, and others who have helped generate the legends associated with eateries across the Mid-South. The team at Benny Keith is proud to sponsor this adventure with the goal of preserving the stories that have helped cultivate an amazing food scene across the Mid-South. So kick back and enjoy a heaping spoonful. Hello and greetings food lovers. I'm Kelly Bass and I've been ingrained in the Mid-South food scene basically my whole life. From the day I fell over in my high chair when I was 18 months old at a popular Mexican restaurant in the Heights section of Little Rock to decades I spent reviewing restaurants to the joy my wife and I get from discovering new food adventures wherever we go across the Mid-South. Today on Heaping Spoonful, it's my pleasure to visit with George Eldridge about his amazing career, which has stretched many a restaurant and many a decade. Isn't that right, George? Well, it's been a it's been forty some years, uh, and uh, you know I didn't really uh, intend to be in the restaurant business for forty some years, but I fooled around uh, with it long enough that uh, it's too late to do anything else now. Did you ever think that's what you were going to do for a living? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Well, I, I, I never did uh, really know. I, I didn't, I'm not sure I've grown up yet, uh, but uh, I, I sure didn't think I'd be in a restaurant business this long. But uh, like I say, I waited too late to quit, so uh, I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> well, I first met you, and a lot of people first knew you at the Bandbox down at 17th and Main. How did you, uh, how long did you have that, and how did you get into that? Well, I, I bought the band box. I, I was hanging out there. I was actually in the construction business, and I was hanging out there between jobs. And uh, they had a cook named Lucille Robinson, who I befriended. And uh, the owner had, uh, it was a, a biker bar, the Bandito headquarters, and uh, it, it was pretty uh, a pretty rough place at the time. Lucille kind of kept order. And uh, so I... Uh, uh, the, the owner, uh, Tommy Morbid, had had a motorcycle wreck, and uh, he had been trying to sell me the, the bar for several years, and uh, I wouldn't buy it. And he, he said, I'm going to make you a deal you can't refuse, and he did. And so I bought it under the conditions that Lucille would stay, and she stayed with me 30 years and, uh, and retired and uh, is still alive and still doing good. And uh, that was my first... Uh, experience in the restaurant business. And uh, all that time, the burgers were the thing, right? And Lucille cooking burgers on that flat top? Uh, we'd run over to Safeway and buy hamburger meat, and Lucille would cook up the burgers. And uh, one day, Max Brantley from the uh, Arkansas Gazette came in there and uh, ate a burger and wrote a full-page article about how great the burger was. And that was the, uh, the uh, th- that made me... Uh, the, in the restaurant business for sure we uh, our business tripled overnight and uh, uh you know we just it was amazing uh, what that article did i remember it well i was working at the gazette at the time and then the next thing i knew uh, after going down to the the band box and eating a lot of burgers was you 
you moved up uh, onto Louisiana Street and with the sports page, and all of a sudden, all those folks working in the bond houses and the law firms didn't have to drive to 17th and Main. How did, how did that come to be? Did you just see well, that opportunity? That was 1980, I think, and uh, that place was available. I had a non-compete with the people that bought the band box, and so uh, a year for a year, and uh, when that year was up, I already had the sports page built. And uh, everybody said, man, there's no parking down there. Hire it. What are they? What are you going to do? And I said, well, they're already parked. And, right. <laughs> uh, that turned out to be a, a great business. And we ended up with uh, four sport pages, uh, one in Nashville, Tennessee, and the rest here in Little Rock. And uh, that, that was, uh, that was a, a great restaurant. And it's still open today on 414 Louisiana. Yeah, and uh, Lucille followed you down there, right? Lucille uh, came with me everywhere, and uh, then we went from uh, we went from uh, Sports Page to uh, Buster's, yeah, and uh, Buster's uh, to uh, Doe's and and Doe's in Memphis and Blue City and uh, Lucille stayed with me, like I say, for thirty years. Yeah, Buster's was sure a hopping spot in the train station and. Those who spent any time in Little Rock in the 1980s invariably spent some time at Buster's and probably went next door to Slick Willie's, never knowing what that relationship would turn into. Well, uh, Buster's was the ultimate fern bar, and uh, we uh, we didn't make a lot of money there, but we sure had a lot of fun. And, <laughs> and uh, but those was the was the really the, the most successful one uh, we ever did. And was that a chance, and those across the Mid-South know about Doe's in Greenville where it got started, and was your Doe's in Little Rock was the second one, is that correct? Right, we were the second one. We'd been going down there, and it was a, it was a destination place, and uh, it was sort of a one-of-a-kind, and, and uh, when that uh, place became available, we had decided we might try Doe's there, and, and it worked, obviously, for 30-some-odd years. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think the... Obviously, the great steaks and um, shrimp and all the the fixings make a, a big part of it. But it's, it's kind of the funky uh, atmosphere. I think you have never tried to spruce it up too much. Well, uh, you know, we we you know, you, if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And uh, we've uh, we've focused on good food and good service, and uh, we we do, we try to do both. Uh, We've learned over the years that if you provide good food and good service, it doesn't really matter what your facility is like or where it is. Sure, I agree 100. percent And uh, kind of, it seems to me, at least along those same lines of a, of a nice big break when uh, Max Brantley wrote the big article about how good the burger was down at um, at the Bandbox. You uh, you benefited, it seems, from a distance for. Um, your friendship with our former president, former governor, who uh, decided to make Doe's kind of his uh, headquarters or when he ran for president in 92. Can you talk about what how that came to be and what that was like? Well, I met Governor Clinton uh, in the 70s, and uh, I really got to know him uh, on up in the 80s when he lost to Frank White. He was pretty down, and uh, he hung out uh, back in my office at the sports page with a group of other people. And uh, he was, he was, like I say, he was pretty down. And we we pumped him up, and uh, and uh, he made a comeback. And uh, wow, what a comeback! Yeah, I mean, no doubt. From uh, from getting beat by Frank White to uh, the president of the United States. So we uh, and and we were lucky to be a part of that. Yeah, did um, do I remember correctly that 
one of the big moments in Clinton's ascendancy to the Democratic nomination was a, a big story in Rolling Stone magazine. If I remember correctly, they did that interview at Doe's. Uh, they did, and, and you know, I, I thanked him for that. Uh, I got to meet uh, the great Hunter Thompson, who wow. he and I became friends. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had we got so much exposure out of that that it's it's hard to hard to say what uh you know uh, we just got a lot of exposure out of it and it was unbelievable to go uh to the white house in washington and to know the president of the united states i mean you were like a rock star in dc if you were from arkansas right and i've uh i have hosted some folks at does before who worked um at Doe's when that was all going on, and they talk about the Clinton stories, and sometimes we'd get them to come there just back to talk to us, just to tell the Clinton stories, which which was great. Um, so it also, I can't help but notice that you back to the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, the menu at Doe's is solid. It stayed the same for a long time. Same with Sports Page. Is I mean, have you resisted the urge to branch out into other kind of stuff in your restaurants, or have you never had the urge? Well, you know, I think a, a simple menu is the key. Uh, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not smart enough to have a, a you know have uh, 50 things on the menu and have it all good. It's a full time job trying to make sure what we offer on our menu is good. And uh, I walk into a restaurant that's got a three or four page menu. I I just it gives me a headache <laughs> trying to uh, figure it out. Yeah, you know. Um, but there are so many great restaurants in Little Rock now. I mean, over the years uh, they have uh, this uh, all down in the in the uh, River Mart and uh, on Main Street. There's all sorts of good restaurants out west. I mean, uh, it, it's amazing at the uh, at the wonderful restaurants that we have in Arkansas. I mean, in Little Rock now. Sure. So you're obviously branched out to to do your your, your things in Memphis. How did you find the Memphis restaurant environment, particularly down on Beale Street, compared to what you were dealing with in Little Rock? Well, we built. We started out with the Doe's, and then they they had me uh, build and open BB King's Club, and uh, that was a little different menu more uh, uh, more of the finger food type thing and uh, music and entertainment was was the base for that. But those actually didn't work in Memphis on Beale Street. So we changed it to uh, Blue City Cafe and uh, that's still open today. We were over there for five or six years and uh, then moved back uh, back to a little rock. Yeah, because it had tamales and burgers like you've had at, at Doe's. Right, and, yeah. right. I have feasted on those tamales. Speaking of those tamales, so when you first opened those, were you making the tamales at that point, or were you getting them? No, we were actually getting the tamales from Greenville, Mississippi, and uh, I didn't know that they were supposed to be USDA inspected. And we got in trouble, uh, not not bad trouble, but uh, they just told us to quit doing it. And so I... Uh, had to look for a source for hot tamales because that was a mainstay at Doe's. So uh, we ended up buying a factory, a uh, tamale factory in Newport, and a couple of years later moved it to Augusta. And uh, we sold that plant after about 10, 12 years, and we've just opened a new plant uh, over at Gregory, Arkansas, the home of the tamale factory restaurant, and it's open two days a week, Friday and Saturday. And uh, we've got a new distributor, Benny Keith, who is our purveyor for Doe's and the Tamale Factory, is going to distribute our uh, 
hot tamales for us. So I'll be able to buy those in a store? You won't be able to buy them in a the store. They're institutional, so, so you'll have go to, to, go to a restaurant. To okay, well, I know a couple. I can get them, and now I'm about to be able to get them at more. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right now and uh, hang out with us, and we'll be back on Heaping Spoonful. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heaping Spoonful. We at Benny Keith Foods enjoy talking about the food scene almost as much as we enjoy providing the top quality ingredients that help restaurateurs and chefs across the Mid-South create their magic. Now let's dive even deeper into the culinary world with your host, Kelly Bass. All right, welcome back to Heaping Spoonful. This is your host, Kelly Bass, with George Eldridge, who spent decades as a legend in the restaurant business in Little Rock and beyond. Um, We were just talking about his experiences in Memphis, and now... um, Close to Augusta, it's not. You're, you're in Gregory, right? Is Gregory a suburb of Augusta? Uh, it's about eight miles south of Augusta. So you got a tamale factory that is really a tamale factory, but you also got a restaurant. And is it? I am going to get there, but I haven't yet. Is it similar in style to Doe's? Well, it's a little different. We uh, we built that in my horse barn, and so uh, it's got memorabilia on the walls, uh, but it's a new uh, place. So uh, it's it's not quite as shabby as those. Uh, and then our USDA facility is in the back. And that's where you make the tamales. Cause, so, but the menu-wise, is it you you're selling the steaks and the, um, the menu the is uh, is real close to those. Yeah, because I have I have learned if you want to get a chance to say hey to George Eldridge, you might want to stop by Doe's on a Wednesday because I think on Wednesdays a day you bring tamales down and take steaks back is that correct that's exactly right i bring uh i bring uh tamales to my daughter at those on wednesdays and i take steaks back perfect how long has that a lot much of a drive or is that not too bad it's about an hour and 15 minutes so it's no problem yeah not bad well again looking back on your time and uh, the restaurant business other than good food and good service do you have any other principles that have really kind of helped you be successful I didn't mean to leave this out, but the key to to any business is uh, your employees. And I have been real lucky, I must have been born lucky, that I have had great employees over the years. I've had great key people, and no, no one person can do it by themselves. You've got to have good help, and that's becoming harder and harder to uh, to uh, find, but uh, that's... Uh, that's the main source of our uh, success as we've been we've had uh, good people and been able to keep them working for us for years 20 30 years yeah that is that is great another thing and i'm sure this has varied over time based on what was going on in your life in general but i've noticed that a lot of the restaurants i find successful the proprietor is on premise and is an is a known entity to the customers and I remember many a time of seeing you at your various restaurants, and you've struck up friendships with your customers, and I'm sure endure to this day. Well, that's the only way I know how to do it. Uh, it's got to be a person, one-on-one deal, and uh, that uh, without that, it's it's just uh, it's just a different atmosphere. And so I, I try to I try to befriend all my customers, and I I tell them I appreciate them coming, and I mean it. I do appreciate them coming because without them, I wouldn't be anywhere. Yeah, well, I I do think that makes a difference. And I look forward to looking at the memorabilia you have at the Tamale Factory because I have spent much time perusing the walls at Doe's. And what I like about that is it's uh, 
you know, it's got pictures of folks who've been to Doe's. You've got some musicians who've been there. I know you're a big music fan, and uh, and I saw you at a concert just the other day with Amy Helm, who I know you knew her daddy, Levon, which was cool. But yeah. um, So I, I think it's probably safe to say Bill Clinton's the most famous person who's been to your restaurant. Is, is there any well, couple others that are big big names? He was pretty famous, the President of the United States. Uh but I've had uh, I've had some actors there, Robert Duvall, wow. uh, James Earl Jones, uh, you know, uh, Mary Steenburgen, uh, you know, several several people, a lot, a lot of musicians. James Cotton was a oh, uh, great heart that. player, is dead now. Uh, Pine Top Perkins, uh, you know, we've we were in the music business in Memphis, and, and we got to know a lot of those people, and uh, there's. Uh, we had Willie Nelson in there. Uh, Don Tyson brought him in. Yeah. And Don was a good friend of ours, and we always uh, tried to uh, spec uh, Tyson products, and, and that way I got to go fishing. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at any rate, we we've had a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of excitement over the years, and um, uh, we we just like I say we're lucky. Well, that's very cool. Um, what advice would you give? Someone considering opening a restaurant, and please don't do it, is not exactly what I want to hear well, you say. This is a hard business. Uh, like I say, I, I wouldn't have chose this. I just sort of got it by default. But you need to talk to someone uh, who knows what they're talking about, and not some promoter or not some franchise seller. And you need to talk to somebody that'll tell you the truth about the business. And, and to lay out the business end of it and the financial end of it before you ever sign a lease or before you commit yourself. Because a lot of people will go into a restaurant deal and it's doomed to fail. I mean, if they'd have just put it down and done the math, they would have figured it out. But they didn't have time to do that. They were so anxious. I can cook, I cook great steaks at home so I can open a steakhouse. You need to talk to somebody that knows what they're doing and have them go through the thing, your fixed cost, your variable cost, and all that stuff. Do the math and, and figure out if it's even possible or not. Yeah. Well, I agree. I've, I've known a lot of restaurateurs who um, are chefs, but they say the reason they're successful is because they're a businessman, not because they're a great chef, without a doubt. So what are places you like to go eat when you're not eating in one of your own places? Well, you know, there's so many good places in Little Rock now that uh, I know P Peter Braves always had a good, uh, always been a good place to eat. Uh, uh, my old buddy Ed David down at Faded Rose, he's he's a good guy, but I, I don't want to single them out. I mean, they're good restaurants, but there's so many now. I've, I've uh, started branching out in Little Rock uh, and, and not eating every Wednesday at Doe's. And I've gone down on Main Street, and uh, and there's just a lot of good restaurants everywhere now. There really are, but you know, if you look at the two that you mentioned first, Brave New Restaurant and uh, Faded Rose, those have been endured for decades themselves, and there's there's reasons for that. Well, again, it goes back to good food and good service, and and you know, good food. You, you've got to have uh, you got to have a partnership with your purveyor. You got to have a partnership with your your employees. You know, it's it's a joint effort from everybody. Uh, we uh, I don't know whether you want me to mention this or not, but we we trade with Benny Keith, who who's been a, a partner in our restaurant for uh, 
in our business for many, many years, 20 years or so. And uh, they, they, they help us out and we help them out. And uh, you, you've, you've got to build these partnerships uh, you know, in, in, a, in a lasting manner so that you can continue to, to uh, make money and, and um, provide good food and good service to people. Well, you've certainly done that for a long time. Can you pinpoint any of like the, the best decisions you made along the way when you look back on it? It's like, well, I'm really glad I decided to do that. Well, the best restaurant decision, uh, um, I'm not, we're not talking about personal decisions. No. I'm sure. <laughs> I made several of those uh, bad. But uh, I made uh, the, the Doe's decision was, was the best business decision uh, that I made beyond a doubt. Yeah, well, that, that again, revolutionized it. And then... Are those, are all the ones, because they're in other places, I know, are they just all independently owned? Uh, they're fr- they have franchised since our deal. We're, we're working under a leasing agreement. Uh, and they franchised, and uh, I think they're doing okay. Good, good. Are there any, again, not personal, but professional decisions you look back on and say, boy, I wish I hadn't done that? Uh, absolutely. Uh like I say, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still make mistakes. And I made a monumental mistake in Conway. I thought those would be a institution up there, and it just flat didn't work. Yeah, just not the right clientele. I don't know whether they, everybody says, well, the economy was bad. It doesn't matter what was bad. It just didn't work. Yeah, I guess you have takes a while to figure that out and then uh, and it move takes, on. It takes a while to get over it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Well, listen, George, I certainly appreciate your time, and I hope all our listeners out in uh, Heaping Spoonful land have enjoyed hearing your stories about how you got to be where you are. I've been lucky enough to be your friend and your customer for decades and myself, and I will next stop, Tamale Factory and Gregory. Well, thank you, Kelly. I've, I've known you for since all your life, and I knew, knew your father. He was my accountant. And I want to thank uh, you, and I want to thank Benny Keith for this opportunity. Good. Well, thanks a lot. Continue good luck. All right, folks. That's it for today on Heaping Spoonful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Heaping Spoonful. On behalf of all of us at Benny Keith Foods, Mid-South Division, please know how much we love connecting you with the legends of the culinary scene and their unique stories. I look forward to the next time we can offer you another 